We are 85 days to Easter. We're on an 85 down, 85 day countdown on the first third of our years, and we got 85 days to get our campus ready, to get our lives ready, to come together and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. And our ambition this year is for each one of us in our church family to lead someone who is close to us, closer to Jesus. And when we think about the first third of the year, we want to make sure we're doing everything we can to help those who are in proximity to us join us in celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ as soon as possible and certainly on Easter Sunday. And so I hope that you've taken the time to write down the name of someone who is in proximity to you that you believe God has called you to lead closer to Jesus. I hope you've written down that name, maybe in your Bible or maybe in your journal, and I hope that you're praying every single day for that someone. Our ambition this year is to lead someone who is close to us, closer to Jesus. Let's give our lives to that end. Jesus one time was walking through an area and came across someone who was crazy. I mean crazy. Demon possessed, out of his mind, out of control. He was living outside of a community in an area where there were a lot of tombs and caves where dead people were buried. He was out there running from cave to cave, screaming constantly, was completely out of his mind, had taken rocks and cut up his body, hadn't put on clothes in forever. He was a disheveled mess, a disgustingly dirty person, and completely out of control. The people in the community had tried to control him. They tried to put chains on him, and this man had broken the chains apart and was living completely out of his mind, out of control. Until Jesus came close to him. Jesus came close to someone nobody would get near. Jesus saw something in that man that nobody else could see. Jesus believed something about what could happen in that man's life that nobody else was able to even conceive. And Jesus came close to that man and he set him free. He changed his life. He gave him new life. And when he was completely changed, he had tasted the freedom that comes in Jesus Christ. That man said to Jesus, I want to go wherever you're going. I want to be with you. I want to go with you. I want to follow you. And interestingly enough, Jesus said, no. He says, I don't want you to come with me. What I'd rather you do is because you've met me and you've experienced the freedom that only I can bring, because your life has been radically changed because you've met me, what I want you to do is I want you to go home. And I want you to tell someone who is close to you how they can be close to me. And that's what he did. 
He went home and he began to share his story again and again with someone close to him so that they could become close to Jesus. Now that's a pretty cool story and it represents a pretty amazing adventure and it reminds us that proximity is an invitation. The people who are close to us or the people that God brings close to us are a reminder that proximity is an invitation from the Lord to lead someone who is in proximity to us closer to Jesus Christ. Are you seeing your someone? Are you seeing the people who have been brought close to you as an invitation Maybe believe something about that someone that maybe nobody else is even able to believe. Maybe to, to, to believe something and to see something that maybe nobody else is able to see. But because you know Jesus, you can see something in someone maybe nobody else can see. Proximity is an invitation from the Lord. To be a part of an amazing adventure. We see this ambition in the disciple, the apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read out of that passage again this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to read, focus in on verses 22 and 23. And so if you'll look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and read along verse 22, the middle of verse 22 and verse 23. Paul says, I have become all things to all people, so that I may by every possible means save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel, so that I may share in the blessings. Paul says, my motivation for living my life to lead someone who's close to me closer to Jesus is because I long to share in the blessings of the gospel. He wants to share in the blessings of the gospel. He wants everybody around him to share in the blessings of the gospel. He recognizes that the adventure of the blessings of the gospel are worth living his life for. Jesus one time said that the kingdom of heaven is like a person who takes 50 pounds of flour, creates a big, massive lump of dough. Can you imagine 50 pounds of flour made into a lump of dough? And then taking a little bit of leaven, just a tiny little bit of leaven, and working it into that dough. And as you work it through that dough, that leaven spreads throughout 50 pounds of flour. How does that happen? It's a mystery. It's mesmerizing. If you you want to be amazed by that, go buy 50 pounds of flour and dump it out on your kitchen counter. It'll blow your mind what happens. And Jesus is saying, hey, the kingdom of God is like that there's something happening that starts in your heart. That God wants to work through your world. Would you give your life to that adventure? 
And Paul says, I am motivated by sharing in the blessings of the gospel. I want people to experience the kingdom of heaven expanding beyond imagination. And every one of us who have decided to trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior have experienced the blessings of the gospel personally. We have been redeemed. God has taken us from death to life. He has brought us out of sin and into the righteousness of Christ. Every one of us was in as much bondage as the demoniac out in that crazy tomb-laden area. We were as in bondage to sin as he, and we have been set free and given a story just as significant. We have been redeemed and given life. We are sharing in the blessings of the gospel. Jesus Christ has sent his spirit to indwell us so that every one of us have a down payment or a deposit that we belong to Jesus Christ. We belong to him and one day he's going to come home and he's going to claim those that belong to him. And he's going to give us a new place to live forever where everything that was wrong has been made right. We have experienced the blessings of the gospel. Paul says in Philippians that there's nothing like knowing Jesus. Christ and the value of saying I know Christ there is amazing blessing in the gospel for those who trust in Jesus Christ and then it gets even better because then we get to be a part of sharing the blessings of the gospel with those in proximity to us we get to participate in the work of Christ John chapter 15 verse 5 says that if we are close to Christ, then we will bear fruit. John 14 25 says that we will do the works of Christ and even greater things that Christ has done. Do you know what that's referencing? It's referencing our opportunity to help somebody close to us find Jesus Christ who otherwise would not find him. Jesus talks about the significance of this adventure when he tells the story of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and loses one sheep. And how that shepherd will invest all his energy and all his effort in looking for that one lost And when he finds that one lost sheep, he calls together all his friends and family and says, Will you celebrate with me because the one sheep that was lost has now been found. And Jesus says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over the one lost sheep who's found than the ninety-nine who do not need to be found. I, I, just, I just think it's reasonable to conclude that the greatest joy in heaven is the greatest joy on earth, this side of heaven. And God has invited us into this amazing adventure that's full of joy around sharing in the blessings of the gospel. And every one of us have opportunities every day to play in that adventure. I remember when I was a kid, my parents would go on a trip. 
And after they returned from the trip, they'd bring me a little toy from their trip. Anybody have that experience? I can remember in my mind's eye as a five or six-year-old, this one particular trip, my parents bringing me back this metal airplane with landing gear. And I can remember sitting on the kitchen floor, the linoleum kitchen floor, and playing with that little metal airplane thinking this was the greatest thing ever. I never knew until I got to be an adult how big of a ripoff that was. I mean, I'd rather get in a plane and go on a great adventure and experience amazing places and incredible opportunities than just be given a little toy to play with on a linoleum floor. As followers of Jesus Christ, God has invited us into the greatest of adventures. And what we must not be is a people who are content with playing with metal toys instead of getting in the actual plane of the adventure of sharing in the blessings of the gospel. God has called us to be outposts, living where we live to help others find him and follow him. He says to us, you are the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5 Verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. People don't take a lamp and put it under a basket. No, they take a lamp and they put it up on a lampstand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine on those who are closest to you. To you, so that they might see all that you're doing, all that you're saying, and glorify your Father along with you. Do, do you recognize that God has orchestrated for you to have a place in your world to be a light? That God has put each of us on a hill to shine. Like a city. That God has placed us in a home as a lamp on a lampstand that should illuminate all those who come into that house. God has made us outpost and He's invited us into the grand adventure. You excited about that? You want to step into that? It's not easy, is it? I mean, when I talk about that, I get fired up about it. When I hit Monday, I think that's a lot harder than it sounded. Are you like that? It's not easy. There are some significant challenges to this kind of life. I want to just identify two significant challenges and talk through them with you today. The first one is found in the categories that we give people in our lives. Now, we generally give people in our lives two categories. People fall into two categories. One of two categories. People in our life 
those who are close to us, fall into either the category of our friend or our, I'm going to use the term non-friend because it just feels nicer than enemy. People are either our friends or they're our non-friends. And yes, we should live our lives in such a way that we lead those who are close to us, who are our friends, who we love and love to be around, who feel so important to us. We should be leading them closer to Jesus, no question. But what about those who are non-friends? That's a little bit more challenging. And yet Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and following, he says, hey, what credit is there for you if you love those who love you? What good is it for you if you, if you do good to those who do good to you? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be a people who love your enemies, love your non-friends. I, I want you to, to look at those who hate you or mistreat you or who you'd rather not be around. I want you to see them and I want you to understand that the distinctive of the gospel in your life results in the distinctive of loving your non-friends. Those who are close to you, that you don't necessarily like being close to, those who are close to you, that are hard to live with, those who are close to you, that treat you in a way that you don't appreciate and you'd rather not be treated. Those who are non-friends are supposed to be people we are leading closer to Jesus. That is a distinctive that sets us apart from the rest of the world and it's something a follower of Christ should be resembling in their daily life. Now that's not easy. But, but might it be that the gospel's work in us, remember God demonstrated his love for you when you were an enemy. It just might be that God's work in us as we grow closer to Jesus would allow us to have a vantage point towards someone that's more like a non-friend, maybe that nobody else wants to get around, maybe that nobody else can see anything in, maybe that nobody else will really believe something special can happen because of Jesus Christ. Maybe, just maybe, you being close to Jesus and close to that person enables you to see something, believe something that nobody else can see or believe. And I just want to propose maybe we're close to them because that's their way, maybe their only way to become closer to Jesus. That's not easy. You know, the other big challenge kind of, kind of appears in the form of time. You know what we often say, myself included, we, we often say things like we are busy. I've heard multiple people communicate when asked, hey, how was your week? Is busy. I've heard multiple people say things like, I'm busier now in retirement than I was in non-retirement. Anybody here said that before? 
I've heard moms and dads say, I cannot even think straight because I'm going to one kid's activity after another. I mean, we are busy and we feel, generally, we feel like we need more time. I I just, I, I don't have enough time. And so this challenge of time presents itself. And when I say to you that the Bible communicates to us as followers that we're supposed to spend time loving someone we don't want to be around, well, then we really feel like we don't have time. It's like, I've got a lot of things in my life that I know God intends for me to do, and I'm busy with those things. I don't know if I have time. And I just, want to, I just want to communicate to you the truth in love about time. So here, my smile right now is my attempt to show you in love. So here's the truth about time. We all have the same amount of time. 168 hours every week allotted to us by God to do the things he intends for us to do. We have the perfect amount of time to do what God intends for us to do. And God intends for every follower of Christ to lead someone who is close, closer to Jesus. So the real issue is not time. The real issue is, am I willing to do what God intends for me to do? I'm I'm not trying to ignore the fact that we all have multiple things in our lives that God intends us to do. Like, Like, I don't want to advocate me going home this week and telling Lindley, I don't really have time for you this week. Because I've got this other person in my life that I don't like being around, that i got to spend time with. And so you're out, and he's in. That's not going to go well. So, so we all have multiple things that God intends us to do. And we have just the right amount of time to do what God intends. The real issue is that we too often don't even consider That God intends for us to give some time to leading someone who feels more like a non-friend closer to Jesus. So, So here's what I'm proposing. Is that we would remember that little story in the scripture where Jesus is out teaching on a hillside and has tons of people around him. Thousands listening to him teach and it gets to be about supper time and everybody's starting to get really hungry and disciples are like hey they're hungry should we send them home and Jesus is like hey no let's just see how much we got and so they looked around and they found one kid who brought a sack lunch the only smart person among them and he had five little loaves of bread and two fish and G- Jesus looks at the five loaves and two fish and the disciples are looking at the five loaves and two fish when the disciples see it they probably think there's no way this is going to work Let's just send them home. And Jesus looks at what little they have to offer and sees something that nobody else can see. 
And he takes that little five loaves and two fish and he multiplies it into the work of the kingdom. And I just wonder if we wouldn't today decide, I this week am going to give my five loaves and two fish of time to do what God intends. And I'm going to give myself to loving someone who is close to me so that they can become closer to Jesus. This is a great adventure. And he wants us to take part. I want to give you just a few principles this morning that I think you can apply across all areas of being an outpost. And before I walk through these principles, I want to make sure you attach your heart to the big solution connected to the problems I just identified. Here's the one big solution. All of us are living as outposts scattered all over our community. And we're facing the difficulty of living a life trajectory that's not natural. It's not natural to love our enemies. It's not natural to give our time to things that are really hard. And so if we're going to live this kind of lifestyle, here's the one big solution. We all as outposts have a home base. We have a church. Do you know that you can't lead somebody closer to Jesus if you're not getting closer to Jesus? And do you know that the church is uniquely designed to keep helping you week after week get closer to Jesus? Do you know if you live a life of leading other people to Christ, you're likely going to suffer along the way, personal cost? Do you know that whatever personal cost you suffer for standing for Christ, the church community of faith is meant to come alongside and replace that cost in your life? Do you know that as you live in the world trying to help somebody find Jesus Christ, the world's going to seek to lure you in? But the church is designed to stand in your life and say, hey, I see a little bit of drifting towards the world in your life. Let's get on back here to following Christ together. And the church is designed to help you avoid that threat in the world. You, you know when it comes to living a life, loving your enemies or your non-friends or leveraging the, the time you have trusting that God will multiply it. That kind of mentality is not a mentality that's natural for us. But here's the thing, the church is designed to come alongside us and to keep encouraging us to live that way. We need that kind of community of faith. We need people around us who believe, I want to live this way and I want to exhort others around me to live this way. I want to hold others accountable as I'm held accountable to live this way. We will not live this way with this level of gospel ambition outside the community of faith that's designed to help us stay faithful to Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to be living in community. That happens when you get into smaller groups of believers in your local church and you begin to be in a setting where you can hold each other accountable. You can share life and you can talk about truths around the scripture and you can exhort one another to follow Christ. You can do it on a very personal, individual basis. I want to encourage you, <clears throat> please be in a small group experience in our church. There's lots of opportunities for you to plug into a small group experience. There are on-ramps 
to ongoing small groups that are Bible studies and men's four by four and Wednesday night studies that get you in a smaller environment where you can talk about God's truths and share about where God is working in your life. You can hold each other accountable, challenge each other to faithfully follow Christ. We have home groups and life groups that give you ongoing opportunities for being in small group experiences. We, we are convinced that we will be faithful as a family of God, living so that we help others love God and love people. Only when we are in community and challenging each other to live that way. The church is the one big solution. So here are the principles. Gonna live as an outpost, the basic principles that apply to all outposts. So I'm going to give you some specific principles related to your family, your workplace, and your neighborhood. But let's first just talk about general principles. And you can see these in your worship guide. In your worship guide in the Go Deeper section, you can see an, an acronym. And this acronym is the word BLESS. So God has called us to be a blessing to the world we live in. And I want you to think about how you live out being a blessing in the outpost where you are, knowing you have a home base that is going to support you through that challenge. So you bless, B. You begin with prayer and fasting. So I want you to pray every day. And I want you to consider, if your health will allow, fasting every week, one day for a 24-hour period. Every week, one day, 24 hours between now and Easter for your someone. And it may be that you say, hey, I'd like to fast for 24 hours. And so this Tuesday, I'm going to eat supper. And then I'm not going to eat breakfast and lunch. I'm going to pray for my someone during breakfast and lunch on Wednesday. And then I'm going to get together with my small group on Wednesday evening here at the church for the meal and break our fast together. And you say, hey, I want to I do that for the next 85 days. Just once a week, give 24 hours to prayer and fasting for my someone. Bless, begin with prayer. L, listen to their story. You know, people love to talk about themselves. And so ask them to talk about themselves. And then listen. L, E, eat with them. Do something with them that will create conversation. Have a meal. S, serve them. Just love through service. Give yourself to them in some ways where you can serve them. And then the final S is share your own story. When the opportunity presents itself, share what God has done in your life. Just go to the people close to you and share your life change story. Bless people. Now let me give you one key principle for the outpost among your family. Have you ever gone to see your family and uh, maybe for, for a holiday or something and you've gone up to the front porch, they're expecting you, they know you're going to be there, and you knock on the front door and nobody comes to the door. You ever done that before? And you're wondering, where are they? They know, why aren't they hearing me knock? And you knock and nobody comes. Well, what you don't do is at that time just go back to your car and say, they don't want me and drive home. You don't do that. When you come to the front door of your family member, you knock and they don't hear, and you wait, what's the next thing you do? You try the door, right? And if that door's open, you're like, I'm here, and you announce yourself, and that's just the way you do with family. So here's, 
Here's principle number one. Don't ever stop trying the door with your family. I've talked to a number of you who have identified your someone as a child, an adult child, some of you who, don't know, who does not know Christ, a spouse, a sibling, a grandparent, a parent. You've identified somebody in your family that's one of your someones and you want to see them come to Christ. And as you've tried spiritual conversations in the past, you've been on the front porch of their life and you've discovered they're not answering. And when you've tried the door, they got it dead bolted. And you're not getting in. What happens too many times is when we experience the locked door, we walk away from that spiritual conversation and we think the door is shut. But that's not how we're supposed to be with family. With family, when we find they're not answering, we keep trying the door. Because there is going to come a time when you may experience that door opening. And if you don't keep trying the door, you might miss that open door opportunity. When it comes to family, keep trying the door. Key principle in the workplace, very simple. Spend a little time with somebody in your workplace outside of the workplace. When you're in the workplace, you got work to do. And when you're in a workplace, some of your environments don't allow for extended conversations around spiritual things. And I just want to encourage you that as you're doing the things in the workplace that would demonstrate you're a follower of Christ, initiate with your someone in the workplace time outside the workplace because all the restrictions and challenges in the workplace are not present outside the workplace. And so consider, how can I spend time outside the workplace with my someone in the workplace? Our key principle related to your neighborhood. In Proverbs chapter 25, there's a great verse that says, hey, when you get some honey, uh, don't eat too much of it because if you just gorge yourself on honey you're going to vomit and he says when it comes to your neighbors don't spend too much time at your neighbor's house because you're going to make them vomit I'm just telling you what the scripture says so so here's what I think that means we ought to be cautious about the kind of time we spend with our neighbors because there's something about living in proximity to a neighbor that can create circumstances where our welcome can be worn out really fast and so I'm not telling you don't go hang out with your neighbors I'm not telling you not go to their doors and and talk to them I'm encouraging you to do that but I'm encouraging you to take note of the scriptures uh, wisdom and when you go to your neighbor's front door bring a gift like bring some honey bring something bring something for your neighbor you don't want to wear out your welcome so most of the time when you interact with that neighbor bring a gift. Some of the time when you interact with that neighbor, bring a need. The scripture also says in Proverbs that there are times in our lives where the neighbor close to us is more uniquely capable of helping us in our need than the brother far away from us. And there's just something about when you express a need and your neighbor can help meet that need that creates bridges of relationship and conversation. And so interact with your neighbor, but know that proximity to your neighbor can create a quickly worn out welcome. And so every time you're in position to be around them, bring a gift and occasionally a need. And I think you'll see God open conversations and opportunities in your neighborhood. We're outposts. 
God has placed us close to people. That's how he wants to reach the world. That person close to you is how God wants to reach the world. When God said to that demoniac, you're not going with me. Because there are people in your hometown that right now I'm far away from and I'm not going there anytime soon. But you can go there and be close to somebody I'm far away from. And if you go there and you're close to them, you can lead them closer to me. Do you recognize this grand adventure you've been invited into starts with somebody in proximity to you. And if you lead somebody in proximity to you closer to Jesus Christ, that somebody will be closer to somebody you're far from. And they will see Jesus. This is how we reach the world. There are some in this room that will never make it 3,000 miles around the globe to tell somebody about Jesus. But I suspect in the crazy work of the kingdom of God, there just might be somebody close to you, who's close to somebody a little further away than you, who might be close to somebody halfway around the world, that if you'll just be faithful where you are, We'll see the gospel spread to the ends of the earth. And we'll be amazed that we got to play a part. Lead someone who is close to you, closer to Jesus.